What's up, world? It's your boy, Sway. Merry Christmas. And for this Christmas, my special gift is I will be reading the entire Home Alone screenplay. Now, if you're thinking that eventually I'm going to say like some funny stuff and riff on it or halfway through play a song or there'll be some surprise at the end, the answer is no. I'm just going to read the entire screenplay from Home Alone. My Christmas gift to you. If you don't want to listen, I understand. Be back with a regular one next week. Right now, I just... I need to read the entire screenplay of Home Alone, so here we go. large home. It's nighttime. Upper middle class home with Christmas decorations. Very noisy. Sounds of many people talking at once. Where's my suitcase? Now interior. Large home. Still nighttime. Policeman with his back to the camera stands in the hallway. He tries to get someone to pay attention to him, but everyone ignores him. Two small girls walk down the staircase. A third girl walks up. A fourth girl walks down. They all walk past the policeman as if he didn't even exist. He stands alone with his hands on his hip, expressing exasperation. Now we're inside the parents' bedroom. Kevin's mother's on the phone, talking to a friend. She packs clothes on the bed while her husband is in the bathroom. A small boy, Kevin, walks in the room. Mom, Uncle Frank won't let me watch the movie, but the big kids can. Why can't I? Kevin, I'm on the phone, responds his mother. It's not even R-rated. He's just being a jerk. Kevin, if Uncle Frank says no, then it must be really bad. Kevin jumps on the bed. His mother tells him to get off, but he ignores her. Kevin picks up a book that is a travel guide to France. Hang up the phone and make me, why don't you? Kevin's father is wearing a blue shirt. He walks in the room, talks to his wife. Hey, by any chance, did you pick up a voltage adapter thing? No, I didn't have a chance. Well, how am I supposed to shave in France? Grow a goatee. Dad, nobody will let me do anything, says Kevin. You want to do something? You can pick up those micro-machines in the hall. Aunt Leslie stepped on one and almost broke her back. He was in the garage again playing with a glue gun, says his mother. Kevin makes a grim face and signals to his mother to stop talking by cutting his throat with his hand. Didn't we talk about that, says his father? Kevin replies, did I burn down the joint? I don't think so. I was making ornaments out of fish hooks. My new fish hooks? I can't make ornaments out of the old ones. Dry worm guts stuck to them. <clears throat> I need some water. Aunt Leslie enters and says, Peter, Kay, do you guys have a voltage adapter? Here's a voltage adapter, says Peter, as he places Kevin in Aunt Leslie's arms. Oh, you're getting heavy. Go pack your suitcase. Pack my suitcase? Now we're in the dining room. A girl walks by a young boy sitting at the dinner room, dining room table. Do you know where the shampoo is, Fuller? I don't live here, he says. I don't believe that in a house with this many people there's no shampoo. The policeman stops her. Pardon me. Are your parents home? 
Yeah, but they don't live here, she says. A girl wearing a Northwestern t-shirt comes down the staircase. She speaks with another girl. Tracy, did you order the pizza? Roz did. Excuse me, miss. Are your parents here? My parents are in Paris. Sorry. The policeman grabs a little girl by the shoulder. Hi, are your parents home? Yeah. Do they live here? No. No. Why should they? All kids, no parents. Probably a fancy orphanage. Now we're back in the bedroom. Kevin sits with one of his brothers who's packing a suitcase. I don't know how to pack a suitcase. I've never done this once in my whole life, says Kevin. Tough. They walk out in the hallway. That's what Marie said. What did I say? You told Kevin tough. The dope was whining about his suitcase. What am I supposed to do? Shake his hand and say, congratulations, you're an idiot. I'm not an idiot, says Kevin. Oh, really? You're completely useless. Everyone has to do something for you. She's right, Kev. Excuse me, puke breath. I'm a lot smaller than you. I don't know how to pack a suitcase. Another girl walks down the hallway. Hey, I hope you just don't, didn't pack crap, Jeff. Shut up, Lenny. You know what I should pack? Kevin asks Jeff. I already told you, cheese face. Toilet paper and water. Listen, Kevin, what are you so worried about? You know that mom's going to pack your stuff anyway. You're what the French call les incompetents, says Lenny. What? Jeff throws a packed bag down the staircase. Bombs away. The bag lands at the feet of the policeman. Lenny continues talking to Kevin. P.S. You have to sleep on the hide bed with Fuller. If he has something to drink, he's going to wet the bed. Kevin stands alone on the balcony. This house is so full of people it makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Did you hear me? I'm living alone. Kevin shouts as he jumps up and down. The policeman, in amazement with the mouth agape, watches Kevin as he jumps up and down. Now we're in Buzz's bedroom. A young boy wearing glasses taps on a glass aquarium that contains a large tarantula. Who's going to feed your spider while you're gone? He just ate a load of mice guts, says Buzz. He should be good for a couple weeks. Is it true that French babes don't shave their pits? Some don't. A picture of a nude playgirl hangs on the wall near a rifle and a poster. But they got nude beaches. Not in winter. Kevin enters the room, timidly approaches Buzz. Buzz? Don't you know how to knock, Flemwad? Buzz is ferociously antagonistic. Can I sleep in your room? I don't want to sleep in the hide-a-bed with Fuller. If he has something to drink, he'll wet the bed. I wouldn't let you sleep in my room if you were growing on my ass, replies Buzz. Suddenly, they hear rustling outside the window. Check it out, old man Mari, says Buzz. The three boys run to the window. Who is he? asks the boy with glasses. Outside, they see an old man drag a metal garbage can down a snow-covered walk. He carries a metal shovel in his free hand. You ever hear of the South Bend Shovel Slayer? asks Buzz. No, responds the boy with glasses. That's him. Back in 58, he murdered his whole family and half the people on the block with a snow shovel. Been hiding out in this neighborhood ever since. Well, if he's the shovel slayer, how come the cops don't arrest him? Not enough evidence to convict. They never found the bodies. But everyone around here knows he did it. It'll be just a matter of time before he does it again. The old man shovels snow off the path, then uses the shovel to spread salt off the walk. Kevin's frightened. What's he doing now? He walks up and down the street every night, salting the sidewalks. Maybe he's trying to be nice. No way. See that garbage can filled with salt? It's where he keeps his victims. The salt turns the bodies into mummies. Kevin's terrorized. Mummies? The old man looks up from his work and sees the three boys watching him. They quickly pull the drapes across the window. The old man continues to stare up at the window.
pizza outside pizza pizza delivery cars recklessly driven down the street pulls into the front of Kevin's house then hits the metal lawn boy statue knocking it to the ground side of the car is painted little Nero delivers 20 minutes or you don't pay the pizza delivery boy runs out to the car and picks up the metal lawn boy statue now we're inside Kevin's home two little children stare up at the policeman is trying to find out if they're going on a trip but the little boy and girl just stare up at him without responding there's a knock on the front door Policeman opens it and lets the pizza boy in. Okay, it's 122.50, he says to the cop. Not for me, kid. I don't live here. Oh, you're just around for the holidays? I guess you could say that. Uncle Frank sees the pizza and takes the boxes. That's 122.50. Uh, it's my brother's house. He'll take care of it. Frank walks away with the boxes of pizza. Kevin's father, Peter, comes downstairs and shakes hand with the policeman. Hi, says Peter. Hi, answers the policeman. Mr. McAllister? Uh, yo's 122.50, says the delivery boy. Am I under arrest or something? No, no, no. Christmas time, always a lot of burglars around the holidays, just checking around the neighborhood to see if everyone's taking the proper precautions, that's all. Oh, well, we have automatic timers for our lights, locks for our doors, that's about anyone can do anyway, do nowadays. You get eggnog or something? Eggnog? Listen, will you be leaving? Pizza, pizza, Kevin yells as he runs downstairs. Now we're in the kitchen. Kevin enters, everyone's already eating. Frank, you got some money? Come on, says his wife. Traveler's checks. Probably the kind you can't use in Paris, says Peter. Forget it, Frank. We have cash. Did anyone order me a plain cheese, asks Kevin. Buzz stuffs his mouth with pizza. Oh, yeah, we did. But if you want any, someone will have to barf it all up because it's gone. Fuller, go easy on the Pepsi, says Aunt Leslie. Fuller stares at Kevin and smiles. Kevin becomes infuriated. Buzz mocks Kevin by telling him to get a plate and fakes throwing up pizza. Kevin charges into Buzz's stomach and accidentally knocks cups over over cups of milk, which wet the plane tickets. Passports, yells Peter as he puts down the plastic Pepsi bottle. The bottle tips over and spills soda onto the table. Uncle Frank pushes his chair back and smashes Fuller against the wall. Peter tries to sop up the milk with napkins. He unwittingly throws one of the plane tickets into the garbage pail. Kay yells at Kevin. What is the matter with you? He started it. He ate my pizza on purpose. He knows that I hate sausage and olives. Uncle Frank wipes the wet pizza from his Pepsi from his pants. Look what you did, you little jerk. Everyone stares down at Kevin. Kevin, get upstairs right now. Kevin, you're such a disease, says Jeff. Kevin, upstairs, says his father. Say goodnight, Kevin, says Kay. Goodnight, Kevin, responds Kevin. Kay drags Kevin into the hallway. Why do you always get treated like scum? Pizza boy still standing on the front door while the policeman looks around the living room. Kay pays the pizza boy. Having a reunion or something? Asks the policeman. Uh, no, my husband's brothers transferred to Paris last summer and both his kids are going to school here. I guess he misses the family. The policeman smiles at Kevin. His gold tooth sparkles. Kevin notices this. He's given us his trip to Paris so that we can all be together. Taking a trip to Paris? Yes, we hope to leave tomorrow morning. Excellent, excellent, says the policeman. Excuse me, this one's a little out of sorts, says Kay as she pulls Kevin upstairs. Don't worry about me. I spoke with your husband already. Don't worry about your home. It's in good hands. Kay leads Kevin upstairs. There are 15 people in this house, and you're the only one who has to make trouble. I'm the only one getting dumped on, replies Kevin. You're the only one acting up. Now get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Kay opens the door to the attic. The third floor? Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up there in a little while. 
I don't want to sleep with Fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me, I know. Fine, we'll put somebody else up. I'm sorry, says Kevin. It's too late. Get upstairs. Everyone in this family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anyone else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't, answers Kevin. Then say it again. Maybe it will happen. I hope that I never see any of you jerks again. Kevin walks up into the attic as his mother closes the door. Kevin lies in the attic bed. His thoughts are heard. I wish they would all just disappear. Nighttime, full moon. Clouds cover the moon. Wind blows through the trees in front of the house. The wind blows a plastic Santa Claus down the sidewalk. It blows a ribbon off a lamppost. It moves shutters in the window. It shakes the Santa Claus wreath on the door. A tree branch breaks and falls on some power lines, causing an electrical blackout. The lights go out in Kevin's house. The LED on a clock radio states 437 before it goes out due to power failure. Now it's daytime. A man's knocking on the front door. Two airport express vans are parked in front of the house. One driver knocks on the front door as the second driver picks up the metal lawn boy statue. Across the street, a power service man's working on a voltage box. She said 8 a.m. sharp, says one of the drivers as she rings the doorbell. Now it's daytime in the bedroom. Kay, while still in bed under the covers, picks up her watch. Peter! She shouts. They both jump out of bed. And in unison, they shout, We slept in! So they both run out of the bedroom. Everyone's frantically running around the house as they prepare for the airport. A boy walks towards the van from across the street. Hi, I'm Mitch Murphy. I live across the street, he says. You guys going out of town? We're going to Orlando, Florida. Well, actually, first we're going to Missouri to pick up my grandma. Did you know that McAllister's are going to France? Do you know if it's cold there? Do you know if these vans get good, good mileage? Gee, kid, I don't know. Hit the road, answers the driver. Now we're back in the house. Fast speed footage of the household in pandemonium. Heather, do a head count. Make sure that everyone's is in the vans, orders Kay. Where are the passports and tickets? I put them in the microwave to dry off, says Peter. Mitch is sitting in the van next to the driver. How fast does this thing go? Does it have automatic transition? Does it have four-wheel drive? Look, says driver. I told you before, kid. Don't bother me. Now beat it. Children exit from the house and line up in front of the vans. Mitch is inside one of the vans. He opens up one of the traveler's cases, takes out a camera, and takes a photo of himself inside the van. Wow, says Mitch. Heather takes a head count, and it includes Mitch, whose back is to her. Mitch is about the same size as Kevin. Buzz is being difficult and distracting her. He calls out random numbers she's trying to count. Half in this van, half in this van, orders Heather. Mitch exits the van. Have a good trip. Bring me back something French, he says as he walks away. Aunt Leslie, Kay, Uncle Frank, and Peter exit the house. Peter locks the door. There's no way on earth we're going to make this plane. It leaves in 45 minutes, says Frank. Think positive, Frank. You be positive. I'll be realistic. As Kay enters the van, the power man approaches her. Ma'am, just want to let you know that your power is fixed, but your phone lines are a mess. It's going to take Ma Bell a couple days to patch it up, especially around the holidays. Heather, did you count heads? Eleven, including me, five boys, six girls, four parents, two drivers, and a partridge in a pear tree. And they drive away from the house. Now we're inside the airport terminal. Peter, Kay, and family run through the airport towards the gate from which their plane's departing. 
hold the plane, yells Peter. Did we miss the flight, asks Kay. No, you just made it. Made it. Take whatever's free, replies the attendant. That's kind of weird. It's like, would they say that? Probably not. Children run on board. Now we're inside the plane. The stewardess takes Kay and Peter's coats. Champagne, please. It's free, isn't it? Asks Uncle Frank. Oh, yes, replies the stewardess. We made it, says Peter. Do you believe it? I hope we didn't forget anything, says Kate. Now we're inside Kevin's house. The door to the attic slowly opens up, and Kevin pokes out his head. He doesn't hear any noise as he walks into the hallway. Now we're back in the airport, showing the plane taken off from their runway. Back to Kevin's house. Kevin walks to the empty house until he reaches the kitchen, turns on the TV, and sits down at the counter. After a few moments, he shuts off the TV. Mom? He softly calls out. Plane flies away into the sky. Passengers are eating their food. Uncle Frank notices that the crystal's real. He tells his wife to put it in her purse. She protests as the stewardess walks by. Don't you feel like a heel flying first class while your kids are back in coach? Chaos Peter. No, the kids are fine. The only flying I did as a boy was in the back of the family station wagon. It wasn't to France. Kids are okay. They're having the time of their lives, says Peter. Yeah, says Kay. Now we're back in Kevin's house. Kevin walks to his empty house. Hello? Mom? Dad? Mom? Dad? Where are you guys? Kevin walks into Buzz's room, right past the spider. Buzz? Buzz? Walks down in the basement. Uncle Frank? Is this a joke? Megan? Lenny? Kevin looks around the basement, stares at the furnace, which then in his imagination makes a loud growling noise and lights up with a red flame against the black metal. Saw my imagination, says Kevin as he runs up the stairs. Kevin runs out the front door into the side of the house. He looks up at the driveway and sees two cars in the garage. The cars are still here. They didn't go to the airport. Now we're back inside Kevin's house. He turns to the kitchen and sits down at the counter. I made my family disappear, he says with concern. But then he imagines the face of each member of his family and the words they last spoke to him. Kevin, you're completely helpless. No, Kevin. You're what the French call les combattants. Kevin, I'm going to feed you to my tarantula. Kevin, you're such a disease. There are 15 people in this house, and you're the only one who has to make trouble. Look what you did, you little jerk. Kevin then smiles. I made my family disappear. Now we're in his bedroom. Kevin's jumping up and down on his parents' bed while eating popcorn. Runs down the staircase into the dining area. As he wildly waves his arms, and he runs through the house, happy as can be. He runs into Buzz's room, then opens Buzz's chest. Kevin reads a Playboy magazine. No clothes on anybody. It's sickening. He then finds some firecrackers. Cool firecrackers. I'll save these for later. Buzz, I'm going through your private stuff. You better come out and pound me. Kevin picks up a picture of Buzz's fat girlfriend. <laughs> Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. I don't mean to interject, because um, that's not what this is about. But I did read that the... Uh, director and the producers of the movie felt too bad using an actual um unattractive woman as buzz's girlfriend to say woof that they put um someone who worked on the movie a guy they put him in a wig so they could say woof about him they didn't have to feel bad about it true story he places nature figurines on the closed dump ledge he then shoots them nature figurines now they were um or those little sports figurines. You know what I'm talking about. He's a good shot and knocks each one of them into the dumpster. Now we're in the kitchen. The counter is a mess with ice cream slopped all over the counter. A videotape, Angels with Filthy Souls, is placed into the VCR. 
Kevin watches the tape. There's a knock on the door. This is in the video. Who is it? It's me, Snakes. I gotta get this stuff. Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. All right, Johnny, but where's my money? What money? AC said you had some dough for me. Is that a fact? How much do I owe you? AC said 10%. Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. He'll call you when he gets out. Kevin calls out to no one. Guys, I'm eating junk food and watching rubbish. You better come out and stop me. Hey, I tell you what I'm going to do, snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of 10 to get your ugly, no good yellow keister off my property before I pump you full lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. Johnny guns down snakes, laughing and gloating as he watches them die. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Kevin becomes frightened and yells out for his mother. Mom! Meanwhile, on the plane, Kay's asleep on Peter's shoulder. She suddenly awakes and checks her wallet. What's the matter? asks Peter. I have a terrible feeling. About what? That we didn't do something. Now you feel that way because we left in a hurry. We took care of everything. Believe me, we did. Did I turn off the coffee? No, I did. Did you lock up? Yeah. Did you close the garage? That's it. I forgot to close the garage. That's it. No, that's not it. What else could we be forgetting? Kevin! Shouts Kay. Now we're back in Kevin's house, top of the staircase, daytime. Kevin positions the toboggan on the top of the stairs, pointed down on the open front door. He slides down the staircase, out the front door, and onto the front lawn. Meanwhile, back in the airplane, Aunt Leslie, Uncle Frank, and Peter try to console Kay. The captain's doing all he can, but the phones are still out of orders as stewardess. Horrible. Horrible, says Frank. How could we do this? We forgot him. Didn't forget him. We miscounted, says Peter. What kind of mother am I, says Kay. If it makes you feel any better, says Frank. I forgot my reading glasses. They all stared at him in disbelief. Back on the street, nighttime, five families down on one block. They all told me their own mouths, says Harry, the burglar who was disguised as a cop. It's almost too easy, says Marv. Check it out. All the houses with nobody home is automatic timers in their houses, and I have it all figured out. Watch this, says Harry. Number 664 will be going on right now. The lights go on on the house. Number 672 right now. Number 67671 now. And that's the one, Marv. That's the silver donut. Oh, it's very G. Very G, huh? It's loaded. Got lots of goods. Stereos. VCRs. Possibly looking at some very fine jewelry. Possible cash hoard. Unmarketable securities. Who knows? Grab your crowbar. Crowbar up, responds Marv. Now we're back in the living room. Nighttime. Kevin is asleep in the chair as the TV plays The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Now back on the street, the burglar's van pulls up in front of Kevin's house, then backs up into the driveway. Kevin hears the car door slam shut, and this wakes him up. The two burglars walk up to the back of the house. Kevin sees them go by his window. They try to enter through the house, the basement door. Kevin runs through his house, turning on all the lights. The burglars try to open the door with crowbars. Kevin turns on the basement light. This scares the burglars, and they run away. Now he's in his parents' bedroom. Kevin hides under the bed. Back at the airport. Kay, Peter, and the family run through the terminal. A French woman speaking on the terminal phone. Kay tells her that's an emergency. And when the woman won't give her the phone, Kay yanks it away from her. Kay tells Peter to book them on a flight home and tells her children to call everyone they know. Kay tries to call the police back home. Kay tells Leslie and Frank, call everyone on the street. Hello? Hello? She'll have to call you back. Now we're back in Kevin's parents' bedroom. He's hiding under his parents' bed. This is ridiculous. Only a wimp would be hiding under a bed. And I can't be a wimp. 
I'm the man of the house. Outside Kevin's house, he walks out the front door down the walkway. Hey, I'm not afraid anymore, I said. I'm not afraid anymore. He walks down his front path, sees the old man from next door with a shovel in his hand, pulling the garbage can. Kevin screams, turns, and runs back inside. In his house, he slams the door shut, runs upstairs, screams, mouth wide open, jumps on his parents' bed, hides under the covers. Now we're inside the police department. Policeman's working at her desk when her phone rings. She picks it up. Village Police Department. Back at the airport. Kay's on the phone from the airport terminal. I'm calling from Paris. My son's home all alone. The phones are out of order. I would like someone to go over there and tell him that we are coming home to get him. Let me connect you with the family crisis intervention, says the policewoman. She puts Kay on hold. Larry! Policeman sits at his desk eating a donut. You might remember him as the guy who played uh, Kramer in the Seinfeld inside of the Seinfeld show. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying. On the glass window in front of him is written Crisis Center. He picks up the phone. Sergeant Balzac. I'm calling from Paris. I have a son. Has a child been involved in an altercation with a drunken or mentally ill member of his media family? No. Has he been involved in a household accident? I don't know, answers Kay. Has the child ingested poison or has an object been ingested into his throat? No, he's just home alone and I want somebody to go by our house and check on him. You want us to just go by your house and check on him? Yes. Let me connect you with the police department. No, they just connected me to you. Rose, hyper on two. Hang on, please. While she's waiting for the policeman to respond, Kay asks the children if they were able to reach anyone at home. They tell her no. Aunt Leslie returns and says, sorry, nothing but a bunch of answering machines. Kay screams into her phone. Somebody pick up. Pick up. The policeman at the other end answers. Oh, hi, ma'am. It's you again. Okay, we'll send a policeman over to your house to check up on your son. Back in uh, Kevin's parents' bedroom. Kevin's in bed, hiding under the covers. There's a knock on the front door. Policeman is standing outside. He rings the doorbell, but there's no answer. There's no one home. House looks secure, says the policeman. Policeman turns and walks away. That part always bugged me. Like, that's how hard you're going to try? Get fucking real. Uh, inside, Paris Airport. Daytime. Peter argues with the ticket person about getting a plane back to the States. The police are going to go check on Kevin, says Kay. Everything here is books, says Peter. Nothing in Chicago. The only way that they, they have is a Friday morning booking, which is two days away. Kay refuses to go to Rob's house and said, we'll stay at the airport. There may be some hope for a standby position. Peter takes the family to Rob's house in Paris. Back at Kevin's house, it's daytime. Kevin stands in front of a large mirror as he talks to himself. He's just finished combing his hair after taking a shower. He washed every part of actual soap, all major crevices in between his toes and belly button. He sprays his underarms with deodorant. Can't find a toothbrush, but otherwise I'm in good shape. Kevin picks up a bottle of aftershave lotion, slaps him on his face, and screams from the pain. Ah! Now we're in Buzz's room. Kevin sees a baseball game box on the top shelf. He climbs up the bookcase in order to get the game. The bookcase collapses. The shelf falls to the floor. The aquarium breaks, and the tarantula escapes. Kevin takes his Buzz's cash from his box. Kevin exits the back door. He sees the burglar's van parked in Murphy's driveway. I thought the Murphys went to Florida. Now we're inside the Murphy's house. Harry is playing with a toy car in front of the Christmas tree. Marv is wearing scuba goggles as he places goods in a sack. They have made a mess of the house. You know you're one of the great cat burglars, Marv. You think you can keep it down a little there, huh? The phone rings, which activates an answering machine. Peter McAllister leaves a message saying he's still in Paris at his brother's house. He gives the phone number. The burglars decide to try the McAllister's house again that night. Harry plays with the children's toys and stares up into a kaleidoscope. Now we're inside a pharmacy. It's daytime. 
Kevin has picked out a toothbrush and asked the woman clerk if it's American Dental Association approved. The clerk doesn't know and asks another clerk, Herb. The doorbell rings and the old man wearing rubber boots enters the store. He places his bloodied bandage hand on the counter. Kevin becomes afraid as the old man stares down at him. Kevin, with toothbrush in hand, backs away from him. Honey, you pay for that toothbrush here, says the female clerk. Kevin continues to walk towards the door. Wait, son, you have to pay for that toothbrush. Son, hey. Kevin runs out the store. Jimmy, stop that boy. Outside of the pharmacy, Kevin runs out the store with a young clerk chasing after him. The clerk sees a policeman and shouts, Shoplifter! What a geek. Kevin is startled. He runs from the policeman and chases him through the park and across the ice pond. Kevin slides on his knees between skaters, under the legs of a skater. Policeman runs into the hockey player who knocks him to the ground. Kevin makes his escape. Now we're on a railroad bridge. Kevin runs across the bridge over the tracks while a passing train moves along. Kevin, with his toothbrush in hand, walks down the sidewalk. I'm a criminal. Now we're back in the Murphy's house. Marv, one of the real criminals, stuffs cloth into a sink drain and turns on the water. He laughs with glee at the wanton destruction he's about to wreak. Marv exits from the back of the house with a VCR under his arm and a sack over his shoulder. He throws objects into the van. What's so funny? asks Harry. What's so funny? What are you laughing at? You did it again. You left the water running. Yep, says Marv. Why do you do that? I told you not to do it. Harry, it's our calling card. All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. You're sick. You know that? Really sick. Harry drives down the driveway as he continues to argue with Marv. He almost runs into Kevin who's walking down the street. Harry slams on the brakes. Kevin screams. The van stops inches in front of his face. Harry rolls down the window. Hey, you gotta watch out for the traffic, says Harry, showing off his teeth. Sorry. Santa don't visit the funeral homes, little buddy, says Marv. Okay, okay. Merry Christmas, says Harry. He smiles and his gold tooth sparkles. Kevin recognizes his tooth from the night Harry was in his house disguised as a policeman. Kevin turns and walks away. Harry has noticed his reaction. What's the matter, asks Marv. I don't like the way that kid looked at me. You see that? Never seen him before? I saw a hundred kids this week. Let's see what house he goes into. The van slowly follows Kevin down the street. Kevin notices that he's being followed and starts to run. The van picks up speed. Outside the church, the van slowly drives by. In front of the church is a Christmas manger decoration. The burglars have lost sight of Kevin. They get nervous in front of the church and decide to drive away. After they've gone, Kevin reveals himself disguised as one of the characters in the manger. Kevin runs to his house. When those guys come back, I'll be ready for them. The burglar's van pulls up in front of the house. Harry and Marv see silhouettes of people moving in front of the house, inside the house. They seem to be dancing, the music of rocking around the Christmas tree. Did they come back? asked Marv. Paris? Now we're inside Kevin's house. It's nighttime again. Kevin's rigged up dummies with pulleys. He manipulates their movements by pulling on ropes as he dances to the music. The record player turns one mannequin around in circles. A toy train carries a cardboard cutout of a basketball player around the tracks. Outside, Harry and Marv continue to watch from the van. We'll come back tomorrow. We better get out of here before someone sees us. Inside the house, Kevin smiles triumphantly as he watches them leave. He successfully protected his home. Now we're in uh, Rob's apartment at nighttime. It's a Wonderful Life is playing on TV, with the dialogue being spoken in French. Uncle Frank walks in the room carrying a tray of appetizers. Rob's wife tells him that those are supposed to be eaten later, but he ignores her and serves them to the kids. Peter's on the phone trying to speak to the operator in French. Buzz and one of his sisters are discussing Kevin. She's concerned that he's been left alone while Buzz thinks 
the little twerp deserved it. He also believes Kevin will be okay because they live on the most boring street in America. Nothing remotely dangerous will happen, period. Now we're at Kevin's house again. It's daytime. Pleats the delivery boy drives up to Kevin's house and runs into the metal lawn boy again. Picks up the lawn boy and goes to the front door. He finds a note directing him to the back door. He carries the pizza box to the back and knocks on the door. Inside the kitchen, Kevin plays the gangster videotape in response to the pizza boy's comments. Okay, but what about the money? What money? Eleven eighty for pizza? Kevin puts twelve through the door opening. The money falls in the pizza box. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Cheapskate, says the pizza boy. I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get off my property. Then I'll pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. The sound of machine gun fire comes from the VCR. The pizza boy runs backwards and slips in the snow. He falls to the ground, gets up, and then runs for his life. Jumps in the car, spins his tires, and speeds away. Kevin opens the door, picks up the pizza box. A lovely cheese pizza, just for me. They're back in the airport. Kay is bargaining with another older woman for a seat on the plane. $500, a pocket calculator, two first-class seats. Is that a real Rolex? Do you think it is? No. But who can tell? I also have a ring. That's beautiful. The woman's husband comes for her. He tells her that the plane is boarding. I'm desperate. I'm begging. From a mother to a mother. Please. The woman stares up at her husband. Oh, all right. Plane takes off. Now we're back in the parents' bedroom at night. Johnny Carson's on TV. Kevin sits in his parents' bed. Takes the family photo out. Photo has a blue background. I didn't mean it. If you come back, I'll never be a pain in the butt again. I promise. Kevin kisses the picture and places it under his pillow. He shuts off the light and goes under the covers. Now back in the bathroom. Daytime. Kevin combs his hair and mimics Frank Sinatra as he sings into the comb. He sprays underarm deodorant and splashes the... <laughs> the aftershave on his face again. He screams from the pain. Tarantula walks along the bathroom floor. Sorry, I'm checking my phone. Let's see if I'm missing anything in the world. Hmm. No, not really. Okay. Now we're back in a... Not back. We're in a supermarket. It's daytime. Kevin pushes a cart down the aisle. He grabs a container of milk. He's at the checkout counter. A young female clerk watches him suspiciously as Kevin pushes forward a young cart, a cart full of groceries. They make small talk and she asks for 1983. Are you here all by yourself? Ma'am, I'm eight years old. Do you think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Where's your mom? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm the only child. Where do you live? I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He then turns away. Man, I always hated that lady. Narc. Now they're outside on the sidewalk. Kevin walks down the sidewalk carrying two plastic bags filled with groceries. They both break and the food falls to the ground. Now we're in the laundry room. Kevin puts detergent into the machine. He turns on the washer, takes the clothes out, and places them into a basket. Kevin imagines, imagines hearing a mocking laughter coming from the furnace. It lights up and red flames flicker against the black iron. Shut up, says Kevin. The furnace shuts down. Still in his house, the burglar's in the van, which has a written on the side, OK, plumbing and heating. Looks like nobody's home. I don't get it. Last night, the place is jumping. Something ain't right. Go check it out, says Harry. Now? Harry gets out of the van. In the kitchen, Kevin's washing dishes as Marv walks up to the door. 
Marv puts his foot through the opening of the door. His shoe falls off. Marv's hand comes through and picks up the shoe. Kevin grabs the remote control and activates the gangster tape in the VCR. Get the hell out of here, says the gangster's voice. Marv freezes as he listens to the voice on the tape. Kevin places a red pot on the floor near the door. He fills it with firecrackers and lights them. They explode as the machine gun noise goes off on the TV. Marv dives into the garbage cans. He gets up and runs back to the van. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Kevin mimics. What happened inside the van? What happened, asks Harry. Somebody just got blown away, replies Marv. I know I heard the name Snakes before, says Marv. Snakes. I don't know no snakes, says Harry. Let's get out of here. Let's wait and see who it is. We work this neighborhood, too. Suppose the cops finger us for a job and they start asking us questions about a murder in the area. Wouldn't it be nice to have a face to go with their questions? That's a good idea, says Marv. Of course it's a good idea. Snakes? He sounded like a snake, says Harry. <laughs> Airport. Plane lands. Air- airline clerk tells Kay that everything's booked. She wants to get to Chicago, but nothing is available because it's Christmas Eve. John Candy, who's playing the leader of a polka band, overhears Kay's conversation with the airline attendant and offers to help. He's Gus Blinsky, polka king of the Midwest, Kenosha kickers. Polka, 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 kiss me polka. Sold 620 copies, says Gus. Chicago, asks Kay. Sheboygan. Gus is running a van to drive to Milwaukee. He offers the driver to Chicago, and she accepts. Now we're outside Kevin's house. The burglar's van is in the driveway. Marv and Harry are asleep in the van. Kevin comes out of the back of the house. He's carrying a saw and ladder. He uses it to cut down a Christmas tree. Marv and Harry watch. I think we got scammed by a kindergartner. Kevin pulls the tree into the house. Now we're inside and Kevin's decorating the tree. Harry watches him through the window. Kevin sees Harry's reflection in a Christmas bulb. Dad, can you come here and help me? Kevin says as he walks away from the tree. Remember that kid we saw the other day? He lives here? If the kid's here, the parents gotta be too. He's home alone. You want to come back tonight? Huh? Huh? Even with the kid here? Huh? Huh? I don't think that's a good idea. Look, that house is the only reason we started working this block in the first place. Ever since I laid my eyes on the house, I wanted it. Kevin opens the the upstairs window and listens to the conversation of the two burglars. They plan to unload the van, get a bite to eat, and return around 9 o'clock. Good. Kids are afraid of the dark, says Marv. You're afraid of the dark, too, says Harry. Not not they walk away mom where are you says kevin now we're on the road it's nighttime a budget rent truck drives down the street polka music comes out of the truck the members of the band all wearing yellow jackets play polka music as they sit in the back gus tries to get Kay to play in the, the clarinet she refuses they travel down a snow-covered road outside santa claus's house kevin walks up to the house as santa's female helper is leaving she tells Kevin that Santa's getting into his car. Santa's upset because he got a ticket on his car on Christmas Eve. What's next? Rabbit shots for the Easter bunny? Listen, I know you're not the real Santa. I'm old enough to know how it works, says Kevin. All right, says Santa. But I also know that you work for him. I'd like you to give him a message. Shoot. I'm Kevin McAllister. Instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. No toys, no presents. And if he has time, my Uncle Frank too. Santa gives Kevin two Tic Tacs. Kevin takes him and then walks away. Santa gets in his car, starts to drive with the car stalls. It's nighttime on the streets. Kevin walks down a dark street alone. He sees the family enter a house filled with Christmas decorations. He watches the family from the street. It's outside a church. Kevin hears singing. He enters the church, choir singing Christmas carols. Kevin sits in a seat. Across from him is the old man. He sees Kevin, gets up, and walks over to him. says, Merry Christmas. Kevin's confused. The old man sits down next to him. 
The red-headed little girl's my granddaughter. You live next to me. You can say hello. You don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of things going around about me. Been a good boy this year? I think so. You swear to it? No. Well, this is the kind of place to be if you feel bad about yourself. I've been kind of a pain lately. I said some things I shouldn't have. I really haven't been too good this year. He likes his family, even when sometimes he says he doesn't. I came here to hear my granddaughter sing. I'm not welcome with my son. I argued with him, lost my temper, said I didn't care to see him anymore. My son said the same, and we haven't seen each other since. If you miss him, why not call him? Afraid. Aren't you a little too old to be afraid? Asked Kevin. You should call your son. Well, yeah, they skip it. You're never too old to be afraid. Well, what if you won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it, and you won't have to be afraid anymore. Kevin and the old man shake hands in unison and say, Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you. What about you and your son? Asked Kevin. We'll see, replies the old man. Merry Christmas, he says. Outside the church, Kevin runs out and down the street. The lights automatically turn on. Now we're inside Kevin's house. Kevin enters his house and locks the front door. This is my house. I have to defend it, says Kevin. He clears a desk and unfolds a battle plan. We see him preparing for the battle. The carpet in the front door is rolled back. Kevin places small toy wheelied vehicles on the floor. He pours a bucket of water onto the front steps to make ice. Picks up a heating rod from the barbecue grill in the garage while the tarantula walks across the top of a table. Kevin places the red-hot iron in front of the door handle. Pours water from a hose onto the back concrete steps. Spreads tar on the wooden basement steps. Puts a large nail upwards in a shingle. Connects a rope line from the attic to a treehouse. Squirts glue on, wrap it, on saran wrap paper. He rolls a table with a fan and feathers on top of the dining room. Places glass plastic ornaments on the floor under the window by the Christmas tree. Picks up two buckets of paint with rope attached to their handles. The tarantula scurries past the string. Christmas tree lights turn on. The microwave bell rings. The digital clock indicates 8.57 as Kevin takes his food out of the microwave. Outside the house, two burglars leave the van. We'll go to the back door. Maybe he'll let us in. You never know. Yeah, he's a kid. Kids are stupid, says Marv. Inside the house, Kevin sits at the dining room table and says, Grace, bless the microwave macaroni and cheese dinner. He opens his napkin and starts to eat when the clock hits 9 o'clock. Kevin quickly blows up the candles, runs to the kitchen, picks up his rifle. This is it. Don't get scared now, he says to himself. Outside the house, Henry and Marv walk to the back of the house. They knock on the door. Merry Christmas, little fella. We know that you're in there and that you're all alone, says Harry. Yeah, come on, kid, open up. It's Santa Claus and his elf. Kevin points the gun through the door opening. We're not going to hurt you. Yeah, we got presents, says Marv. Be a good little fellow and open the door. Kevin shoots Harry in the nuts. <laughs> Grun. Harry moans and hops away, holding his crotch. Inside the house, Kevin lies on the floor, pointing his gun at the opening. Marv sticks his head through the opening. He smiles at Kevin. Kevin smiles back and says, Hello. Shoots Marv in the forehead. Marv screams out in pain and pulls his head back outside. Yes, says Kevin. The little jerk is armed, shouts Marv. Harry goes to the front of the house, and Marv goes to the basement. Harry slips on the icy front steps and falls on his back. Marv slips on the icy basement stairs and slides down to the bottom. He uses the crowbar to hook onto the windowsill and pull himself up, but then slips down onto his face. 
crowbar drops and hits him on the head. Harry gets up on the front steps, pulls himself up by the railing, walks towards the front door, slips, and falls backwards down the stairs. Marv again uses the crowbar to hook onto the back door. He uses it to pry open the back door. Finally, he opens it, walks into the basement, and closes the door behind him. He pulls on the light string. The light falls into his hand. He looks up. The opening is sealing as an iron falls down the chute, hits Marv in the face, and knocks him down to the floor. Marv lifts up his head with the iron imprint burnt into his face. Harry wakes up on the front lawn. He's angry as he pulls himself up the walkway, reaches the front door, grabs the red-hot door handle, which burns his hand. It sizzles. He sticks in the snow. He slips backwards, falls down the stairs, but the burnt imprint of the knobs on his hand. Now inside Kevin's house, he hears Harry screams and does a victory dance. Yes, yes, yes. Now we're in the basement. His shoes stuck to the tar in the wooden steps. Marv struggles as he pulls off his red socks. Continues to climb up the steps in his bare feet. He then steps on the big nail pointing upward from the shingle. He lets out a scream in pain and falls backwards off the stairs onto his back. Harry mumbles to himself as he lies, as he runs through the backyard. He approaches the back door, kicks the opening, spits on his hand, then touches the doorknob to make sure it's not red hot. He laughs because he thinks it's safe, then forces the door open. You're dead, kid, says Harry as he walks into the house. As Harry walks in, a, a rope connected to a, the door to a blowtorch blow activates the blowtorch, burns the cap off the top of his head. Harry screams out in pain. Runs outside with his head on fire and dives headfirst into a pile of snow. He slowly pulls his head out of the snow with the top of his cap and all his hair burn off. Harry's head steams and smokes. Marv picks up his crowbar from the basement floor and walks outside, closing the door behind him. He says, whoops, as he slips on the ice and falls to the ground. The sound of the crowbar falling and hitting Marv in the head again can be heard. Harry touches the top of his sizzling scalp. He's infuriated, then runs back towards the house, kicks open the door. Where are you, you little creep? Marv pulls himself up from the basement steps. He walks barefoot across the snow-covered backyard. He sees an open window by the Christmas tree. Now we're inside the house. Harry walks towards the dining room door. Oh no, I'm really scared, says Kevin. It's too late for you, kid. We're already in the house. We're gonna get you. Kevin readies the fan with the pillow feathers. Okay, come and get me. Harry pulls the door and walks into a glue-covered plastic wrapping material spread across the door opening. It sticks to his face. He pulls it off, leaving the glue on his face. Harry walks forward, trips over a rope, which activates the fan, which blows the feathers onto his face, effectively tar and feathering him. Marv comes in through the window. He smiles, believing he's home free. Then he stomps down with bare feet onto the glass ornaments. He falls backwards onto his butt. I'm gonna kill that kid, shouts Marv. Harry wipes the feathers from his face as Marv enters the dining room. Marv? Harry? Why the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? Kevin yells down from the top of the staircase. I'm up here, you morons. Come and get me. Harry and Marv run towards the staircase, but step on the miniature cars and fall down. You guys give up? You thirsty for more. Harry gets up and steps on Marv as he rushes up the staircase. Kevin swings a can of paint attached to a rope down at Harry. Heads up. Shouts Harry as he ducks. The can slams Marv in the head and knocks him back on the floor. Harry looks down at Marvin and says, Don't worry, Marv. I'll get him for you. He then turns around just in time to get hit in the head with a second swinging paint can. This knocks Harry off the stairs and down on top of Marv. Kevin tests the trip wire on the landing. Harry's lying on top of Marv. He's only a kid, Harry. We can take him. 
Ah, shut up, will you? Ooh, you're missing some teeth. My gold tooth. My gold tooth. I'll kill him. I'll kill him, screams Harry. Kevin speaks into the phone with a muffled voice. He says, help, my house is being robbed. My address is 656 Lincoln Boulevard. My name is Murphy. Harry and Marv get up to the landing and run after Kevin. Harry falls over the tripwire. Marv dies at Kevin and grabs hold of his pant leg. Kevin struggles, struggles to get up the attic steps as Marv holds onto him. The tarantula walks across the steps. Kevin struggles to reach it, then picks it up and places it on Marv's nose. Marv places, screams as he lets go of Kevin's leg. Kevin runs up into the attic. Marv throws a spider on him and lands on Harry's stomach. Marv picks up his crowbar and approaches Harry in the attic. Kevin grabs hold of the pulley and prepares to slide along the long rope across the yard of the treehouse. Marv, in an attempt to kill the tarantula, slams the crowbar onto Harry's chest. He misses the tarantula. Harry gets up, grills the crowbar over Marv and hits him three times. Kevin slides across the yard into the treehouse. His feet go through the opposite side of the window. Marv and Harry stare at the rope from the attic window. Where'd he go, asks Harry. Maybe he committed suicide, says Marv. Down here, you big horse's ass, shouts Kevin. Come and get me before I call the police. Wait, wait, that's just what he wants us to do, says Harry. He's calling the cops, says Marv. From a treehouse? Harry starts to shimmy across the rope. Marv follows. When they are about a third of the way across, Kevin takes out some hedge clippers and yells, Hey guys, check this out. Harry and Marv try to work their way back, but Kevin cuts the rope and they slam into the side of the building and fall to the ground. Marv and Harry lie flat on their backs in the snow. Kevin runs down the ladder from the treehouse and across the yard past Marv and Harry. They get up and run after him, across the street towards the Murphy's house. Hey, I'm calling the cops, yells Kevin. Wait, he wants us to follow him. I got a better idea. Come on. Kevin runs down the cellar of the Murphy house. It's flooded with water. He runs up the basement step and steps and opens the door to the kitchen. But Harry and Marv are waiting for him. Hi, pal. We outsmarted you this time, says Harry, as he grabs hold of Kevin. He hangs Kevin up on the door hook. What are we going to do to him, Harry? We're going to do exactly what he did to us. We'll burn his head with a blowtorch. Smash his face <coughs> with an iron, says Marv. From behind, the old man enters, carrying a shovel. Slap him right in the face with a paint can, maybe, says Harry. Or shove a nail through his foot. First, I'm going to bite off every one of these fingers one at a time, says Harry, as he puts one of Kevin's fingers in his mouth. That's kind of weird. When did they become sadistic, uh? body mutilators at that moment the old man smacks marv on the back of the head with a shovel harry turns around and the old man hits him in the face with the shovel knocking him down to the floor he then takes kevin into his arms come on let's get you home now we're out on the street police sirens fill the air as police cars pull up to the murphy's house kevin watches from the window of his house police run into murphy's house and after a few moments come out with harry and marv in custody Nice move, always leaving the water running. Now we know each and every house you hit, says one policeman. Hey, you know we've been looking for you guys for a long time. Remember, we're the wet bandits. Wet bandits, says Marv. Shut up, says Harry, as he kicks Marv into the police car. Hands off the he head, pal. Harry says to a policeman who's pushing him into the police car. Kevin watches from his window. Harry looks at Kevin from inside the police car. Kevin smiles at him and waves as the car drives away. It's daytime in the living room. Kevin stands by the Christmas tree with a glass of milk and some food as he stares at the stockings over the fireplace. He sits down in a chair. Inside the budget rental truck, Gus is sitting next to Kay. I'm a bad parent, says Kay. These things happen, says Gus. I want to talk about bad parents. Look at us. On the road, 48, 49 weeks out of the year, we hardly see our family. 
Joe forgets his kids' names half the time. Ziggy over there never even met his kid. Eddie? We just hope none of them write a book about him. Tell me, you ever gone on vacation and left your child at home? No, but I did leave one at a funeral parlor once. Distraught wife and I left him there all day, all day alone with the corpse. He was okay. After six, seven weeks, he came around, started talking again. But he's a kid. They get over it. Kids are resilient like that. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this, says Kay. You brought it up, says Gus. I'm sorry. Now we're inside Kevin's house. Daytime, it's snowing. Kevin's in his parents' bed under the red covers with his green robe lying across the bed. He awakes and sees that it's snowing. It's Christmas morning. Mom, shouts Kevin. Kevin runs downstairs calling for his mom, but she's not there. He's alone in a big empty house and he's disappointed. He opens the front door and looks outside at the snow. He closes the door and goes back inside of the house. The budget rental truck pulls up. Kevin's in his parents' room looking at the photo of his family when the door opens. His mother enters. Kevin! Kevin! shouts the mother. She sees the Christmas tree and stockings hung over the fireplace. Kevin runs downstairs. Merry Christmas, sweetheart. Oh, Kevin, I'm so sorry. Kevin then smiles and runs to her. Where's everybody else? They couldn't come. They wanted to so much. Suddenly, the front door opens and the rest of the family enters, led by Buzz. Peter picks Kevin up and hugs him. Kevin, Kevin, my boy. Kevin, how are you? Hey, Kevin, it's pretty cool you didn't burn the place down, says Buzz. How'd you guys get home, says Kay. We took the morning flight. You know, the one that you didn't want to wait for. Merry Christmas. Someone has to find an open store. We don't have any milk here. I went shopping yesterday, says Kevin. Everyone stares at him. You went shopping, asked Buzz. I got milk, eggs, and fabric softener. No kidding. What a funny guy, says Peter. What else did you do while we were away? I just hung around. They all laugh and disperse. Kevin walks towards the window. As Peter bends over and picks up Harry's gold tooth from the floor, he holds it between his fingers. Honey, what's this? asks Peter. Kevin looks out the window. It's snowing outside. He sees the old man on the walkway along with his son, son's wife, and his granddaughter. Kevin smiles. The old man sees Kevin as he holds his granddaughter. He waves to Kevin, and they turn and walk towards the old man's house. Suddenly, Buzz's voice rings out. Kevin, what did you do to my room? Kevin runs away from the window. The end. It's a good movie. Merry Christmas.